This is Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. All right, so we're back with another episode this week on Not Another Church Podcast here at North Glencoe Baptist Church. I am still your your fill-in temporary host, I guess. Uh, I'm Matt Aldridge, the student pastor here, and I'm with Donna Huff. And she is our children's and women's pastor, and also or women's minister, whatever. Who cares? I mean, who cares? <laughs> does it matter? I mean, I know it does matter, but I'm just I saying. I think it matters only for like tax purposes. Okay, maybe that's the way it is. <laughs> and then over here, manning the the soundboard and everything, we've got Brian over here. He doesn't have a mic. We took it away from him, uh, but he's he's over here hanging out. And so this week, we kind of we, the last few weeks kind of looked at some of the stuff that both of our different ministries were walking through, and some of the topics are going through. But as we, if you're listening to this, we're what two weeks or so out from Easter. And so that's where we're at in our Sunday morning stuff is we are inching and inching through the narrative in Luke's gospel of walking us through the Easter story. And we're, we're, mm-hmm. we're, we've been looking at that. And that kind of, that may be something that we do the next few weeks as we're moving to Easter is kind of looking at that in a little bit more depth and seeing all that's going on because, you know, we can only go through so much in that 30, 35 minutes on Sunday um, because there is a lot going on here. There is. A lot to the story. Now, if you and, start limiting uh, your sermons, you're going to have some people getting on to you about. Well, I'm, you know, I'm I honestly where the Holy Spirit. I can't, I can't. When I teach or preach, I can't. I can't go more than about 25 to 30 minutes because then I get bored with myself. Like I just like <laughs> at, at some point, it's just like man, you just. I'm just like going to. It's just. I'm just going to start telling jokes now. So, like I don't know what else to do anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to start telling jokes. <laughs> I, I don't know exactly so where we're going to go. Your attention begins to veer yeah, off. Yeah, my yeah. own attention, and I'm the one speaking. My own attention just goes like, you know what. I'm What's just going. I'm ready to move on to something else. I'm kind of hungry. Matt, <laughs> Matt. I'm just playing. Right, um, so we know what to be praying for, Matt. Yeah, about yeah, this for week sure. For sure. Hey, but I tell you what, <laughs> that first twenty or so minutes is 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 good. That's good stuff. <laughs> After that, it gets a little rough. But anyways, modesty is up there today. I yeah, think. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah. So, but as we were looking this past Sunday, the last few weeks we've kind of looked in and zeroed into. Okay, so there's the six trials that Jesus goes through when he's taken away from the Garden of Gethsemane, when the mob come in, comes and gets him, when Judas comes and betrays them. He's taken from that. And then over the next 12 or so hours, there's, you know, there's six trials that he goes through. He is getting moved around and shipped and lugged from this person's house to this person's house to the council to Pilate to Herod to Pilate. There's just so much going on. And he's being lugged back and forth. Uh, you know, Luke's gospel says he's during all this, he's being treated as nothing. He's being counted as 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 his life amounts to nothing, um, and and so just to we want to kind of just I guess just look at and talk about some of the other just I guess factual stuff and maybe some of the history side of things of what's going on here uh, in some of these accounts. And so at the in chapter twenty two of Luke's gospel, which is the one that we've been walking through on Sundays, there is. Uh, when Jesus is taken from the Garden of Gethsemane, he comes out and and he's he's in the garden and he's praying, and he says, you know, you guys pray so you don't fall into temptation. He tells the disciples that they all fall asleep. Uh, I believe John's Gospel again tells us he t- he does this two or three times, um, and then he comes out. He's done praying. He tells the disciples to wake up, and then what does he see? 
they see this angry mob, four or 500 people. It's the council. It's their servants. their soldiers. There's all these people with torches coming to get Jesus. And out of this mob comes Judas, and Judas comes and betrays Jesus with a kiss. Can you imagine being one of the disciples standing there, and you see what you think is your brother, yeah, Judas? That would be absolutely crazy. Yeah. And, and, and honestly— And I wonder how much they knew, because there seems to be some—you um, know, they trusted him with the money. Yeah. So we know that there was some implicit trust there which they found out later was misplaced. And you know something's up when Judas, when you know Jesus says, "Hey, one of you guys betray me," and Judas, you know, dips it in, he dips the yeah from the, the supper and, the night before. And yeah. he, he dips, he dips it in, and it's like, okay, well, something's up, but. And the nature of the fact that they were, you know, arguing about who was going to be the greatest right before all this happens, and then Judas does this, and I mean, there's so many things that are coming into play as this story is progressing. And one of the contexts that I was cool of, the contexts of this when I was reading through some of this stuff, is it was important to know that Judas... Okay, so in this time, the history, the Jewish historian Josephus tells us that that week in Jerusalem, it's Passover week, there would have been like two million people in Jerusalem. Like, it was packed. packed yeah. And so what was happening is every night, Jesus would, and the disciples would go, and they would stay out in the Mount of Olives at the Garden of Gethsemane. This is where they lounged. This is where they would stay. This is where they would hang out every night. He would be in the temple and be in Jerusalem teaching and preaching and sharing with people. And then they'd always recline. Again, Luke tells us, and he goes to that place. That He, he says that place because it's, refer, it's referenced a few chapters earlier of this is where he went every night after he would leave. He'd go out to the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane, and they so, would go and hang out. Do you recall where where they were staying at the time were they at this point I know they had, there were some other times when they went back and forth to um, Mary and Martha and Lazarus's house mm-hmm. in Bethany were they at night going there to yeah, sleep yeah this is where they'd yeah. go at night after yeah. everything because they go and eat dinner or they have supper they have Lord's supper and then he goes from well, there well that's on um, Thursday night yeah, and, yeah. But like right. that's where they go and it says as he w- as he was accustomed to as he would do every as they would do every night so yeah. they would go and lounge and eat or hang out at somebody else's house and then they're going out and going to this this olive garden this uh, olive garden but it's it, it's kind of funny <laughs> to say that because that's exactly what it is it's it, a olive it, press I'm sorry I'm garden breadstick yeah I'm really like you think it is right and now. I'm thinking like <laughs> you know that could be like yeah. they could, olive garden could be a fantastic Easter and special and now we see where I get easily distracted but they're actually they're in an olive garden they're in an olive they're in a garden that's an olive press and and that's where they hang out and judas would have been with them the nights before and so when judas judas leaves to go that's where judas knows exactly where jesus is going to be like it wasn't like he called us like hey or he's checking peter's locations like hey where you at like that's not what he's doing he knows he knows exactly where they're at because this is where jesus has been throughout the week at night uh and so how intimately he knew him to know all of those details oh yeah for sure which makes that betrayal so much more and the kiss while you like in, in today's culture there's a pandemic again i said this in the sermon don't go kissing people that you respect but this is this is a massive sign of just disrespect and it's it's just like it's so villainous almost because so if you had a teacher or an older rabbi or a, a friend or something that you would respect and that you learned under and and they were just there for you and they were just of they were of great regard in your life when you saw them when you met them you would kiss them that's just how it worked in their culture and for Judas to go up and do this as the sign is just it's just debauchery at like at like the highest. It, it has cost. perverted every part of their relationship and every part of Judas's mind. Yeah, because he has turned so far that he's willing to do this. You can see quite clearly. I mean, I I know that 
I, I guess just the thought of how it broke the hearts of those who are around him. Because if you've ever been in an experience in a relationship with someone where you see a betrayal, mm-hmm. um, we've seen it. My first thought goes to someone who we know and love and they've betrayed a spouse yeah. you know, through adultery. That vow, that sort of depth of commitment that is supposed to be there and then is absolutely betrayed leaves you nauseous. This has been, th- to everything that we know, three years of of one-on-twelve kind of communication of of everything that you guys have done together. You've stayed in the same place. You've eaten the same meals. You've hung out. You've talked. You've You've witnessed the miracles. Absolutely. Like, you've gone through some stuff. And then for 30 pieces of silver, which is not that much money, you give it all away. And you then, and as we see what Judas does, which we haven't even got to that in our in our series on in, on Sundays, but you see how that affects Judas. But in that moment, and it says Satan entered into Judas, like Satan, Judas is all caught up in himself. Satan has taken Judas and taken Judas's temptations and Judas is what we would probably say sin tendencies, the things that Judas is caught up with. Everything about Judas is focused on himself and how he gains whatever out of this. And Satan takes that and says, you know what, I'm going to use that. And I think <laughs> I think we, we could pump the brakes there and talks about how in my own sin tendencies Satan used that. But moving on. So Judas, yeah. Yeah. Judas I don't want to step on too many toes too early. <laughs> <laughs> Judas, Judas starts and he, he kisses Jesus, and he, but before, which I never read this until Luke's gospel said this, because this is Luke's only one. Luke says that before Judas could kiss Jesus, Jesus says, is this, is this really how you're going to do this, Judas? Is this really what you're going to do to betray me? He says that, and I think this specifically— But you know, Judas had lost the ability to listen. Yeah. Through this whole process, which you begin to see, and it's one of the things that I don't think I've ever been especially good at in my life, is to stop— um, to get out of my own head, to to listen to what's being said. And it's one of those things, as I've gotten older, I've tried to work at. I'm still not really great at. But you notice Judas had lost the ability to hear Mm -hmm. because he had stopped listening to others and wisdom. And you can see how this the center of self there has has begun to play a role in his mind because it's about what he's done, what his plan is, how he's going to handle it, mm-hmm. what he's going, you know, each thing that he's going to do is what's circulating in his mind. He doesn't stop to listen. Yeah. And so once Judas does this, the mob, well, Peter tries to cut a dude's ear off. Jesus heals the ear, which is pretty, which is pretty insane. Um, but G- but Jesus and we're all lo- and we're all looking at if you're if you're wanting to look through this we're all looking through the uh, Luke chapter twenty two at this point. Um. And so we're in twenty two, moving towards twenty three, and so in, at the end of twenty two, once the uh, leaders and the mob take Jesus, they take him immediately to the former high priest's house, and we see that only in John chapter eighteen. You know, John's gospels, his whole mo is, "I'm going to tell you the story that nobody else has ever told you before," and so he tells us the, this information of the first time he goes in front of people to be quote, and I say this quote unquote, like air quote sarcasm, tried because in the Jewish culture. In their law, you cannot try somebody at night. That's just not how it works. It's just like you know, our, it's what like all doing there is building the cake. Yeah, it's like there, it's like yeah. there's office hours here. Like you know, this we we don't. I mean, between like five and eight the next morning, you just don't do anything because the office is closed. I can't go to the courthouse at seven o'clock at night and renew my driver's license. Why? Because it's closed. That's just not how it works. And so their law was it's just during the day. But they take him to the former high priest's house, Annas, and he's kind of the mob boss. He's not the high priest anymore, but he's still really involved in stuff. Right. Um, I guess he's like the high. 
priest emeritus kind of thing. Well, no, no, I like what you said before we ever started this. Yeah. You said he's kind of the mob boss. He <laughs> is. He's still moving, no. moving pieces and stuff, but he's really not in control from a from a. But he has great influence. But he does. What you see there is they begin. They're trying to build this case against Jesus, and they're going to use from the height of influence. If I don't know how to do you know, something, I would if I if I'm having a question, I would go to someone who doesn't do that job anymore but has done it before and can tell me what to do and how to how to cut corners and stuff like that. Like that's how I've I've done that. And and so they take him to him and then they go to the actual high priest's house, Caiaphas, who is Annas's Son-in-law. Son-in-law, yeah. And so it's still all in the family here. Like, there, there's an agenda. And then that at Caiaphas' house is where Peter's out in, in Caiaphas' courtyard, and he denies Jesus. Well, and, they're going to places where they know that someone's going to agree with them. Yeah. You see that there's already, you can already begin to see the mindset that's here among these people because they're going straight to those who agree with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and they're going to, as they're building that case, they've gone to, you know, um, father-in-law with great influence, then to the current Office holding high priest of his son in law, mm-hmm. and and so you've seen both of those things happen. You see Peter's denial in chapter twenty two, and at the end of chapter twenty two, there is where it's now daybreak. It's now sunrise. It's four or five six o'clock in the morning, and now Jesus is taking before taken before. The Sanhedrin, the okay, actual council. Before we council. jump into that, the, one of the things, uh, Pastor Tom and I were having a discussion, I don't know, a, a, a week or so ago, um, and it's so interesting to me. And I, I, As we were talking through some of all these things that are happening as we're coming up on approaching Easter, I remember that he was talking about pointing out that in that original language when Peter, I'm going back to the story very quickly at the end of Luke chapter 22, where he's Peter denies Jesus, there is that moment there where, and I just wanted to give you guys a, a heads up as you're reading through it to notice as you're reading through these um the different versions from each of the gospels about what happened but when peter denied jesus it talks about that jesus looked at him he's across the courtyard and jesus looked at him there is this sense uh in, in the wording of it about that their eyes met yeah and you know how much you can communicate because you and i even like nobody can see us right now it's just our voices that mm-hmm. they're hearing you and i can communicate quite a bit when we're yeah. looking at yeah. each other imagine that moment for peter that that has been predicted that he's like no i wouldn't do that you know i'm good and um, I love you, Lord, you know, kind of thing. And, and then Jesus looks at him as he's done all that. I'll die t- for you. I cut this dude's I, I, ear off for yes, you. Yes, I cut the dude's. I, I'm, I'm here. I'm all in. You know, it's it's Peter the talker. It's the one Peter that, you know, runs off at the mouth a lot. But I, and, and by the way, just to note, I, I agree and greatly relate with Peter in so many <laughs> Not times. Not enough feet to stick in his mouth kind of thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You know, I'm that, I'm that person. But I see in Peter, and I, I, I've stopped in my imagination kind of grips me in that moment of realizing what Peter must have felt like. All of these emotions from the night before, from everything from the arrest and cutting off the ear to the betrayal of one of his, what I guess would have been a cons- considered a um, a friend for him in Judas, what he was seeing was happening. And all of these things seemed to be building to a head. The general tension that was in the city because it's packed with people, The it, we call it the energy, what we see in a big city and a large setting of people. All of this is building and you get this idea of this climax is coming and then you have up to the story and as you go through that you're looking at Peter and he's playing this role in it but in the midst of all of that Jesus has not forgotten him Mm -hmm. and that's 
that's so important and speaks in so many ways and so many levels of everything about Peter, everything he had learned, everything that he had done and his failure, but looking at his Savior in the eye for the sin that he's just committed and to begin to understand what how much did Peter know what was he wrapping his mind around mm. with all of this and how many emotions were going on conflicting within him because we saw the denial we saw the fear that he must have held as the crowd is is just surging against with this idea and attitude against Jesus and I, I, that part of the story just grips your mind if you stop yeah. and think about that because we kind of pass through this as you and I are talking to today about that we're going each one of these trials trial trial or you mm-hmm. know or we're calling it a trial but each one of these events shall we say as they as they're going through each one of these with the legal process with Jesus but you still have people out there who are suffering with sin and their own tendencies and the only things the things that they've done to hurt and you see the importance that Jesus places on those whom he loves mm-hmm. and it just grips your heart in this part of the story as you go yeah and it's it it's so you you look at it and it's like man Judas like come on man like what are you thinking and I look at Peter and it's like oh come on bro like what are you what are you thinking and then I look it's like well Matt if you look at your life people could so many people could look at you he's like oh, Matt dude like what, what are, are you, you what are you doing yeah. you know what are, what are you doing out here as we stop to look at our own heart and think about how and it may not for and I, th- I think today. It, in, in some places, it is either deny Christ or face your life, and, I, and and to underestimate or to to put down like in some of those cultures or countries where missionaries are serving, and it's it's a life or death kind of thing. I'm not putting that down at all, but it's and I I guess it, I, I guess you do call it a blessing in Glencoe, Alabama, in the deep South United States. It's very rarely is it. Christ or my life like if there's either we're very we're very rarely faced with those and but what we are faced with it's Christ or my reputation or it's Christ or my status in the situation yeah. or it's Christ or what it How looks do I like, look like yeah, to yeah, the yeah appearance of and, others and, the pride and again that, that's yeah. not me putting down because Christ or my life I mean the people who who deal with that and walk through that on a day in day out basis is absolutely insane and so yeah, for those we have this idea of as we walk day to day that it's like you know yes i, I would I, i'm peter i'm all in i love you jesus i would do everything for you but then i get in a situation where it's difficult peter's situation was fraught with anxiety and fear anger, emotions anger. energy I mean, of man. all things that are he going starts on cussing in his mind. The little, he's cussing the servant girl yes. I and mean, he he's... i mean you know and he you can but he loves jesus at the same time yeah. all of that emotion is just roiling within him but and for us what about when we get in those situations like i found earlier this week that i was out and i was frustrated from different sets of circumstances that you know things were not going like i wanted to is inconvenient so i had not even a, probably a blip of the emotions mm-hmm. of what peter's dealing with and I'm ready to um, act petty. Yeah, it wasn't a life or death kind of situation, you know? but I'm ready to throw hands about I, something. I mean, and I'm thinking, and I, I remember thinking that day as I was thinking, I was like, this is not Christ-like in my attitude. <laughs> I would like to tell a few drivers what I think of them today out on the road and, you know, somebody else who's inconvenienced me. And I thought, how far do I still have to go in my walk in this sanctification of me and you know, the, the I know this is going to be funny, but all I could think of was Paul saying, you know, oh, this body of death. Mm-hmm. If I could just get rid of it and just, I, 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 sometimes I tire of myself when I find myself doing that because 
I know my love for Christ. But at the same time, I'm still fighting with this who I am inside. And, and the enemy just, will use that too, which is crazy how he works. It's like he'll, whatever it takes. he'll use me just because I want to sin and he'll use me to sin. And then when I feel bad because of my sin, he'll use that. He'll use that. <laughs> to make you it, not want to do absolute, more. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely yeah. crazy. Like even Peter. He doesn't care what he uses. Yeah. He'll use the good He'll or what we perceive as good and, and, and bad what we perceive as bad. And he'll do whatever it takes to try to get us off. As of, long as I'm not reading, as long as I'm not praying, as long as I'm not worshiping, Christ, as long as everything is. Others. Exactly. Yes. Anything that we're As long I'm as I'm not, not pursuing him wholeheartedly like I should should anything else is on the table yeah absolutely little things big things small things and good things don't get me wrong it's not all I'm everybody's out here family and every, I have yeah things to it's do. not everybody's yeah. out here doing drugs and do and selling i mean doing all kinds of crazy he'll stuff use that he will life. use that but he'll but he'll also, also use that soccer practice on a sunday morning or that late soccer tournament on sunday afternoon or whatever like it, it's or yeah. the self-righteousness of the fact that i'm not doing the travel ball with my kids yeah while i mean like, while i might look at others and go oh you know but that's not None of that is – you see where he's using all of that mm-hmm. to, to to pull us away from him. For sure. And that's – by the way, if you have a child in travel ball, it's not – we're not insulting yeah, you. Yeah, I'm just, just saying like – We're what, trying to give examples of self-righteousness of right. those who feel like we don't do this thing, you know. And, and again, just it's, 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 not, it's not like those things are bad things, but anything that sits on the throne that is only designated for the lordship of Christ – right. If it sits on that throne, if anything is sitting in that place in your life and your life and your heart, and it it's, can be anything. It's, that's we gotta take that off yeah. the throne. Where am I finding pleasure in life? Right. You know. And one of the things in the as I said a few weeks ago, as the women are going through this um, study on forgiveness, that God's glory and um, and my ultimate happiness are not mutually exclusive ideas. <laughs> that I'm going to get the greatest happiness through. God being glorified, and he's trying to let us know that, and we fight that mm-hmm. so much in our hearts because we're like, no, I think I'm going to be happy if I do this. That's the, the very first tactic in the garden. Yeah. God didn't. God didn't really want. God doesn't really want this for you. Is why he's holding it from you. Yeah, he's withholding joy from. Uh, he, yeah, he doesn't want Instead you to of be understanding like him. That the boundaries that God placed on you in a sinful world is what you, where you find the best mm-hmm. and most. Yeah, yeah. And and so you see that issue with Peter, and there's just so much. There's so much there, and I, again, Peter goes on to be the again, as you says, the rock that the church is founded on. It doesn't. That was not the end of of the church. I mean, I mean, that wasn't the end of Peter. It wasn't the end of Peter's ministry, but it was a major downfall that Peter dealt with. Um, and so Jesus goes from that scene at Caiaphas's house where Peter's there, and he looks at Peter, and then he moves into so all of those things. The first trial at Annas's house, and now uh, Caiaphas's house is all like midnight to like 4 a.m. Like both those are happening. Okay, it's so super just to make early. sure we're clear, Thursday night we've gone from the, the Last Supper, mm-hmm. we've gone to the garden where he's warning them to, you know, he he's crying. Yep. And he... Uh, uh, the crying is too too mild, but he's weeping, weeping and, yeah. and asking God to you know if this cup can be removed from me. So we've got all of these things that have happened over the nighttime. He is arrested late by Judas with a group of soldiers, mm-hmm. and then it goes into the nighttime where he goes to the former high priest, mm-hmm. um, Anas, right? Yeah, yeah. Caiaphas, who is the current high priest right. and son-in-law of Anas. Right. So you see this kind of th- seat of power yep. that's happening right here. And then now we're up to early morning hours. Yeah, and so th- this is, quote-unquote, the On legal. Friday. Yeah, this is Friday morning. Mm-hmm. This is daybreak, 5, 6 a.m. This is the first, quote-unquote, 
sarcasm implied here, legal trial, because it's not legal, because I can't just like start a legal thing after I've done two legal illegal things and we've already kind of started a train here. Those aren't trials. We were just No. Yeah, yeah. we were uh, they and, were preparing their briefs and so, in there. You know, <laughs> it's, that's, when, that's when Jesus stands before the Sanhedrin. And they ask him, they're trying him on the charge of blasphemy. They say, are you the Christ? And he goes, you guys say I am. He's kind of, Again, and I've said this in our sermon, he's, he says, the shoe fits. You know where? You guys, you guys said it, not me. But he, he's using this turn of phrase as he, sa- he says, you said it. Uh, and then they say, well, what more do we have to see? He's, he's, he, is, he said he was. What more do we need? And so as soon as that happens, tw- chapter 23 of Luke opens up, and they're talking about, uh, how the G- when Jesus is condemned by Sanhedrin, this council is outraged and they're ready for blood. I mean, they're like sharks in the water. There's an agenda, as there has been since the beginning of this scheme, back all the way in the beginning of chapter 22. There's an agenda for this scheme, and they are rolling with it. Uh, and so, and the accusations are ones that are going to affect the Roman leadership there locally because of the background and historical setting of what's happening. They want to keep these people um, uh, under the foot of Rome. Mm -hmm. They want to keep them in their government leadership. They realize they have to be in submission to the Roman Empire. All of these things they're using to play into the accusations that are going against Jesus. Yeah, and so then after they, in order to carry out capital punishment, they have to have approval from the Roman government. And so the the governor over this area is Pontius Pilate. And so this is when we're introduced in chapter twenty three to Pontius Pilate. Even though it's not the first time, it's not the (laughs) first time we see Pilate's name in the Gospels, which I thought was interesting. You see him the first time in Luke, I think it's 13, we talked about, and we'll mention that in a second, but something about Pilate, and I, and I said this Sunday, but I want to get into a little bit more depth about it. When a lot of people, not everybody, but there is a, a there is a, a, an ideology that Pilate was just so close to accepting Jesus. And I kind of want to debunk that a little bit just from a, a context standpoint because yes he does ask the question what is truth but everybody but is, that's not now, now to clarify that is not that is not now first that is this Pilate. that is there the is last second trial appearance yes Pilate that is the last when that the question sixth is asked. trial yeah. that jesus goes through there is G, Pilate asked jesus who are you what is truth right. he asked those questions and, and he so walks away he does and there is probably a there is, Pilate probably is searching for something as everybody is yeah but I, I i do but the reality is everything that we know Pilate is searching for something, just as the rich young, rich young ruler was searching for something. But both of those people walked away from the something, the source of everything, unchanged and wanted nothing to do with the source. So, yes, he's probably searching for something as everyone was. But to say that now, Pilate very well could have accepted Christ and, and the Lord could have worked, I have no idea. But in the moment where some people make this idea, in the glimpse that we see, in, in what we see in Scripture, there is no, there is no, there's no change. There's no recognition that Jesus was the King because in, in the depth of that question that he asked and then walked away from when he looks, and again, we've kind of skipped a little bit ahead in this yeah. story, but when he's looking at Jesus and he says in his second appearance before Pilate, and he says, uh, Pilate says to him, what is truth? And the, the irony of the fact in that moment that he's looking at the way, the truth, and the, the life. life. And, and he, um, I mean, God is described as truth, mm-hmm. not 
not just truthful, but that he he is truth. He's staring him in the eye and turns and walks away. Right. And and so because history, from a history Judas standpoint, the same thing? absolutely. You from, know, from a history standpoint, we kind of again we like to take the emotional side of Pilate. It's like, oh, he was so man. He just was. He's he, he is. He <laughs> yeah. he was struggling with yeah. this. No, this was a bad dude. Yeah. This was not a good guy. He's not a good man. He's not a good guy. Uh, Philo of Alexandria, the just Jewish historian, he he talks about or talk about historians about Jewish history. He says that Pilate Pilate was corrupt. That Pilate was cruel. Pilate was insulting. He's grievous. He hates Jewish people. He hates the Jews. But he's a ruler. But over he's them. the ruler over them. Yeah. And as this governor, his role his do you suppose he hated them because he saw in them some of the same things that would have been described in his own sin it could have been or he just as romans just thought kind of had he was better than everybody he's just better than everybody yeah um they're just better than everybody else um he was not a good dude not a noble guy but married into noble family he is caesar augustus's grandson-in-law he married caesar augustus's granddaughter uh, and, and so he's in the realm. I mean, he's a he's a powerful. He's in the noble family. He's in the Caesar's family. This is a guy that you don't want to mess with. But he crossed the line so many times that it was a very tumultuous relationship between Pilate and Rome. He was not a good guy. His main roles, though, as governor, is to get your taxes paid, take all the taxes from people, and keep the peace. You do those two things, you're really going to work out fine. But Pilate didn't care much the Jewish people. He incited riots. As I talked about, one of the, the first time we actually see Pilate or hear from them is in Luke 13. It says Pilate just murdered a bunch of Galilean guys as they're trying to make sacrifices so that the Galileans would stop stirring up trouble. He just murders them. I mean, we really don't know exactly the context of why he murders them, but it says he just – he 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 mixes the blood of the Galileans with the the, sacri- the blood of the sacrifices. He kills them. Okay, so then you see in chapter 23, so Luke chapter 23, you hit down at verse 5 where it says, but they were urgent, meaning the people, the accusers mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. Christ, and saying he stirs up the people teaching throughout all Judea from Galilee yeah. even to this place. They're, he, so he, they're using triggers and cues in, in, in their discussion with Pilate. Galilee is home for troublemakers. The zealots, all of these, they they come from Galilee. Galilee was home to people that made trouble. And that's one of the spins that these Jewish people and or these Jewish leaders were making on Jesus that their charges are he tells they say how he tells he tells people not to pay taxes to Caesar. Jesus never says that. Jesus actually says give to Caesar that which is Caesar's. But he says he said and, and give unto God that which is God. If you start that first part and this is a, a Tom always says you got to finish it. You got to finish it. So I made sure I did. <laughs> he said he said he says oh he's he's leading people astray. He's inciting people to to walk away from their trust in Rome. Jesus never did that, but they're but they're tickling the ear of Pilate to say, oh, he, yeah, but we need to take care of this guy. And he says, he, he's, he makes the claim that he's the Christ, that he's the king. And Pilate kind of... Look, they had worked, they knew what they were oh, doing. They clearly used the things that were triggering of it is, They didn't want Rome in charge. They could care less about Rome. They hated Rome. The Jewish leaders hated Rome. They hated the Roman government. They were because all because their idea of a Messiah was one who was, was coming to a save a military them overthrow yes. of whatever government they are. And this wasn't happening. And so, even though they hate Rome, they're going to use Rome to leverage and get what they want. It's just so ironic and how they're and how and it just and honestly, what it all goes how back to how many people to, are playing God in this situation while God is using each one of them to bring the maximum glory well, to Himself and to fulfill at His this, plan. What it does is it sits there, sits there and convicts me because it's like I'll use people that I don't even like to get what I want. 
Oh yeah. Like I'll I'll do stuff that I don't even like doing. I'll 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 do I'll play the what if it's suave or cunning or whatever it is. I'll do whatever I got to do to get what I want. Out of my sin and out of my the enemy of my enemy depra- is my friend. Yeah. Out of my depravity and to see what links that these men would go to to have Jesus convicted. And so Pilate looks at, he really focuses on that last charge. Even though he's not a good dude, he's reprimanded by the emperor for inciting a riot after he took temple money and built a Roman aqueduct in in Jerusalem. That's not a thing. That's, I mean, we're embezzling money from, from the church money there. That makes the Jewish people mad. He incites riots kills a bunch of Jewish people, that happens. And so he can't have another riot. And these people, as Luke tells us, are urgent about this. And Pilate hears the charge. Are you the king of the, are you the Christ? And Pilate goes, y'all say that I am. I mean, I'm sorry, Jesus goes, y'all say that I am. You say that I am, so it must so be true. Yeah. He's putting the responsibility back on them of them recognizing it and them making that claim. He goes, guys, I don't, what is he? Has, I haven't seen him. I don't see anything here. I, I don't see anything going on here. And they say, and then they're urgent. They're the Greek word here essentially says they go ballistic when he says this. They go nuts. They lose their minds, saying, "But he's he's inside. He's bringing trouble all the way from here in Jerusalem, from Galilee. all the way from Galilee." Yes. And Pilate goes, "Hold on, hold up. Did you he's just from, say Galilee? He's from Galilee." <laughs> because and they go, "Yeah, he's from Galilee." He goes, "Oh, I can shift this." He's like, <laughs> again, and that's the Sunday. Pilate is definitely a politician. He is trying to pass the buck because he's like, you know what? If I don't have to deal with this, I don't have to. I don't want to. I've got bigger fish to fry, bigger stuff to do. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him over to Herod, who was himself in Jerusalem at that time. And you have to know in Pilate's mind, he's like, whew, I'm out on this one. I'm sending him over to Herod. Herod can handle this. Yeah, and so we go to Herod, and so... But what I want to make sure we do know is who this Herod is. This is another civil leader. This is Herod Antipas is what mm-hmm. his name is. Mm-hmm. This is not the Herod of the Christmas story. Not Herod the Great. It's not Herod the Great. Herod the Great, which, again, spoiler alert, he's not great. I don't know how he got that name, <laughs> but he's not great. <laughs> sure he gave it to he's also himself. a terrible guy. <laughs> yes, terrible. Herod the Great is the Herod that he was... Uh, over Bethlehem and over these places, he killed the babies when when Jesus was there. That's that's that Herod the Great. This is his son. This is Herod Antipas. Now we've seen Herod Antipas before in the dealings with John the Baptist. Mm-hmm. Herod Antipas, spoiler alert again, not a good dude. Very perverse. Lo- life of the party. Loved to party. He marries his sis- former sister in law. Okay, mm-hmm. Herodias. Right. Yep, he marries her, yep. and then when he watches his niece now slash stepdaughter dance at this party for Herod and all the all the leaders and stuff he is so impressed I guess is the word we're going to use here he's persuaded. so Im- persuaded he is so impressed he by this girl to be enticing he's so yes. impressed by her dancing he's so caught up by her his niece slash stepdaughter kind of weirdness oh. he says oh whatever you want sweetheart whatever you want, whatever you want. she goes <laughs> she goes oh, okay how about Lord order, Lord order of John the Baptist's head on a platter? And a, so, yeah. so he imprisons John the Baptist, cuts his head off. This is that Herod. Yeah. This is that Herod. Mark's gospel, which is also kind of interesting that he tells us about Herod, that Herod would sit and listen to John the Baptist preach and knew that he was a righteous and holy man. Again, another encounter of someone who knew the truth, who knew maybe not the whole realm of things, but knew that something about this teaching, something about this gospel is different than anything else you've ever heard before. And it says that when he heard, Scripture tells us that when he heard about Jesus, he was confused and perplexed by all the things he had heard Jesus doing. 
And so it, when he comes to Herod, Herod says, it says that Herod is happy and excited to see him. And I'm like, man, this is kind of sick. And But it's why it's because he wants to see Jesus perform or do miracles. Essentially, he wants Jesus to stand before him as a court jester and pull a rabbit out of his magic hat. Like, that's kind of what yeah. he wants here. He's expecting Jesus to I come. I want you to throw the staff down, turn it into a he's snake expe- in front of me. And he's make expecting this in, yeah. Jesus to come to him and entertain him. And you're like, man, what is this guy's deal? But I look at us. How many people? Have, how many of our people of myself come to church or come to God for some sort of entertainment? God, fill me up. Fill fill me up with something. Fill me. Let, I, I you know I just don't I just don't feel the same like I used to at church anymore. How many times have we heard that phrase working in ministry? How many times mm. have I said that in my own heart? I just don't. Something about church just don't feel the same anymore. I need to be. Fed. It's just not exciting anymore. I need to be. Yeah. You know. Well, the reality is. Yes, we want to be excited about the gospel. We want to be excited about the good news. We want the to be excited music about is not the, what I wanted it to be. The the lighting, the sound of the special singer, or the the lack of this or the lack of that. I mean, you see that argument that can and, happen, and, and you, what you're find people looking. There is a line. We don't want to do anything badly. We don't want things to be oh, poor excellence. We, we, we want, want to be do, excellent. We want right? to do everything as if we're doing it unto God. That's what we want. But what I want above all things is for Christ to be glorified and. And I've heard Tom say this. If you just he's and I've heard him say before, if you don't hear God like you used to, you don't feel God like you used to, you don't know God like you used to, you miss this about him and you miss this about the relationship. He didn't leave. Like he didn't go anywhere. He didn't move. He di- he didn't move. And he asked, Are "When's you the still last doing the thing? When's the last time you yeah. read the word? When's the last time you prayed? When's the last time you sat there and just asked for God to speak back to you?" And When's we've last- used this phrase the last couple of podcasts. We've talked about the means of grace. Yeah, that I mean, we have been given. Yeah, and so. Herod has Jesus come to him, and he's expecting Jesus to do something awesome. Uh, it's just, and I, I didn't say this Sunday, but I wanted to. I loved The Incredibles as a kid, and I remember. And do you know? You know what scene I'm about to talk about? I hope you do. Did you watch the movie? I think so. Okay. Yeah, but go ahead. When, when Mister when <laughs> Mister Incredible shuts the door to the little baby car, and, the, and he slams it, and he like flips the car, and he's upset, like puts a dent in the car with his hand, and the kid, the kid on the little tricycle, sit there waiting, and he goes, Mister Incredible, said, "What are you waiting for?" And the little kid goes, "I don't know." something amazing i guess <laughs> like that's kind of what herod's doing here it's like and i just want to see that? something and your cool point being do we do that at church yeah. have we got to look at our own hearts in comparison to when we see these biblical characters and realize that there is a place for us to look at and just because our it was a couple hearts. thousand years ago doesn't mean that i'm really not all that similar am to i coming I here and wanting to see somebody put a trick up you know on the stage is that what i'm doing to be entertained or am i coming to participate in worship and in glorification of God to learn from his word, or am I? I want to come in here and know, through worship and through the reading of his word and through truth, I want to know God more when I came in here than I did when I left. That's what church is. Not, man, we, we didn't sing songs that I liked, or man, it just, you know, this this chord progression was weird, or man, this The pastor went too long by 15 his, minutes. Man, or, his shoes looked weird. I mean, whatever the little tedious things that we, you know, picked out or whatever, if we come to if we come to God for entertainment or performance or to be to be impressed or, or something like that, that is coming to God with me as the focus. I want what I get, what I can get out of this situation. When rea- the reality is, is if I'm coming to give and to pour out my heart before God to to 
to look at my brothers and sisters in Christ, to be encouraged or to encourage them as we walk this out together mm-hmm. means that I am not me-centered. I am not me-focused. And um, as we went through that uh, study, um, 12 Extraordinary Women, we went through that book and went through that study. And you see, even Jesus, every time you see him as he's growing up, we see the scene where he gets left in uh, Jerusalem at the temple. Mm-hmm. And every time, the point of it is, is he sets the priority, I am about my father's business. Why are you looking for me? He says to his parents when they finally find him and come back to get him. You know, he says, don't worry, I'm going to be about my father's business. And then all the other scenes that we see as he's doing things, he's always about the father's business. Am I doing that? The first rule of knowing God as a believer and and, and, and having a knowledge of God is knowing, first and foremost, it's not about me. But that's that's a humility that, um, but, but it's so antithetical to everything, everything. inside of <laughs> yes. me. Yes, absolutely. Which is, which, is, yeah. which is, it all boils down to that struggle. Paul talks about that. I know what I shouldn't do. I know my flesh, and I know my flesh is separate from and I do the, what thing, I shouldn't do. Yeah. the things of God, but I do the things I know I shouldn't do and don't do the things that I know I should do, and there's this constant struggle with that. That is the Christian life. That is the walk, but it's us realizing and pursuing and knowing it's not about me. It's about God, and church is the same way. And so Herod has this idea that it's about what he can get from Jesus, and Jesus doesn't do tricks. He doesn't turn backflips here or do anything. He didn't perform. He didn't do anything. Mm-mm. And because that's not that was not his mission. That was not the father's but business. Herod had been hearing, and all he had been hearing are probably the large crowds right. that had been drawn, the miracles that were being purported that Jesus had done, that we that that his disciples would have known and seen that he did. But Herod's not going to go hang out with five thousand no. people listening to Jesus teach. So he's wanting his own private performance here. Yay, this guy's coming before me. I want to see him Jump through hoops, but as we so to you know. Jesus knows, as he says so in the speak. garden, that the Father's will, that Jesus knows that the Father's will is going to end up with him dying. Jesus is all-knowing. Jesus is also God. He knows what the end game is here and knows that it was not time to entertain Herod here. It's not time for a dinner and a show. And so mm-hmm. Herod, he, Jesus doesn't perform, doesn't do anything. He stays silent through that. Herod... Beats him, mocks him, makes fun of him, puts him, dresses him in kingly clothing, is what Luke Luke's gospel tells us, and they send him back to Pilate. But through all of this, there is no there is no condemnation of guilt on Herod's part or Pilate's part the first time. There is no there has no, there has been no saying that he's done anything wrong. Yeah, they beat him. Yeah, they make fun of him. Yeah, they mock him. But Herod has his fun and sends him back because he doesn't want anything to do with it. And so he comes back to Pilate. And Pilate in verse verses 13 and 14 says, look, I've looked at this. Like, I can find no guilt in this man. I couldn't. Herod couldn't. And this is what I'll do. Look, he's talking to the Jewish people, the Jewish leaders. He says, look, guys, I'll punish him. Look, we'll beat him. We'll send him a message. And we'll let him go. He hasn't done anything. And, again, they freak out. And that's kind of where that passage. And Pilate, it kind of finds himself. I mean, not not as a good guy. I don't want you to frame him that way. But he finds himself in a rock and a hard place. Well, what he's looking because for, he's, he's trying for to the compromise everybody. Here. Yeah. He's know, looking for right. the compromise. Here. He doesn't want to do what is morally right because he's trying to please everybody. He's more worried about his position, his power, and his authority like, than he, he is about what a, is right. If his job is to collect taxes and keep the peace. He can't have another right on his hands. No, he, he can't. can't. He's already incited one. He's already he's already made Jewish people mad and already really stirred things up. Because, again, if he was, rem, quote-unquote, removed from office, I, 
historically speaking, Roman people don't just like it's not like we do for presidents now. You get removed from office, or you get, you don't get elected again, and you just, you still get a salary, and you get, you get to hang it. Yeah, yeah. Somewhere in yeah. Roman culture, if you were removed for office, you were you usually removed from existence. So your <laughs> head was removed from yeah, your body. Yeah. Kinda, it's yeah. usually kind of how that worked, and so Pilate knows, hey, I can't. I, I can't I, I can't do this. I, I, I have to be able to try to make both things work. It's the reason he sends the Herod the first time. Oh, I'll let the Jewish guy deal with this. Yeah. And and then he comes back. He's like, man, I really, look, we'll, we'll beat him. He, he gets the message. He understands. And we let him go. I, I'm not going to kill him. I, I'm not, he hasn't done anything. Uh, and so, because he's kind of, if I kill him, these Jews, some Jewish people may be mad. He has a following. He knows he has people. But these guys are going to be mad if I don't kill him, so let's just try to find the middle ground here. He's not looking to let Jesus go. He's looking for a compromise to make sure he comes out on top. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean— well, you, okay, Like I said, people want to This is make, yet again an example of he's worried about I. Yeah. This, you people want to make Pilate out. Pilate wanted, wanted to free Jesus. Well, <laughs> Pilate freeing Jesus was the means of Pilate still coming out on top. That's what Pilate wanted. Yeah. And so through these encounters, we look at these characters in the Easter story and in this narrative leading up— both of these encounters with Jesus by these two men who look the Messiah, the Savior, the truth in the face, both of them say, me coming, my, my, my status, my power, my position was more important than the truth, my entertainment, my performance. But how convicting is that? Just to I, sit and I know, We've sat and talked about this. Look, I preached it. I said this. It's like, man, like, you just, it's you like, got You live with this for days yeah. as you went through it. Yeah. Like, man, man, you suck man like you're <laughs> awful yeah and, and you look at your own heart and you think wow and and then then you become thankful and and great um a grateful heart can come out of that that he would save even me as who i am knowing how atrocious i am knowing my own sinful tendencies and and darkness that resides in my heart that he comes along and saves me and then he works to sanctify me it's through again, a lifetime and because of that in that process of sanctification and then just the day-to-day as we talked at looked at last week it's just the question that i ask myself every day what am i pursuing am i pursuing me herod wanted himself to be satisfied gratified he wanted the magic tricks. He wanted all kinds of. He wanted all the cool stuff, but there was no. There's there was no commitment back. There was nothing. I'm pursuing else. what I love. Pilot. The answer to that in my heart is I'm pursuing what I love, and you're pursuing what you Absolutely. love. Absolutely. If it's Matt, then I'm pursuing all the things that yeah. makes Matt happy, or Donna. You know, as I'm talking about me. Um, I, I mean, I realize that my love, where my love resides. And one of the prayers that in my walk with Christ over time has been that I have taken the time to to cry out to God to say, help me to love you more. Mm. I don't think I love you enough. And I keep trying to put myself on the throne of my life. And I, you know, and, and, and I repent of that and forgive me of that. But I keep finding myself back there at times in my life. And I and I'm asking God and I'm like, please, God, just, you know, save me from me. Because I realize and, like when I try to do it on my own, I can't do it. But man, I, I love it. But man. I love doing it on my own. It's that same thing. Satan is going to use either one again. And and then God allows some circumstance in our hearts or lives or or gives some circumstance to us, which makes us more Christ-like. He humbles us, brings us down, knocks away the pride that, that is basically at the essence yeah. of what we're yeah. talking about, the pleasure then that we begin to understand that pleasure in our life comes from glorifying God, and then I get the greatest 
pleasure here on earth. It comes from the glorification of God in my life and seeing that happen and then knowing it. How about the times when you know it, you've walked it out, you've seen God answer prayer, you've watched him do magnificent things in your life and you still fight that Mm -hmm. and you think, why am I still here arguing this with myself? had heard and knew that something about the teaching of Jesus was different. Yeah. Pilate looked at him and knew something was different. He knew that he had something he was possibly searching for, hence the reason he asked why he was true, what is truth. Yeah, I mean, they seem to categorize him, though, with other men that they've known that have come along that have been great, essentially known for their great wisdom or some great talent that they had or something like that. They're all trying to put him in this other category where they can just dismiss him with all the historical figures that came before them. But there is no other category that Jesus fit in. No. There is no, there is no one like our God, and those two guys missed it. Those two guys missed it. And for me, I don't want my pursuit of self or my pursuit of self-righteousness or my pursuit of wickedness to keep me from missing it on a day-in, day-out basis. The last thing you want on your tombstone is that the person who lies here missed it. He might have. He could have. Potential. Because that's what we get with with Pilate and Herod. Well, Pilate, after he saw that Jesus could have been truth, he might have. I don't want to might have. I want to know that I know, that I know who Jesus is. I know that he came. I know that he died. I know that he rose according to the scripture. And I know he's gone to prepare a place for me. And I know he's coming back. My life was spent in pursuit of glorifying that and letting others know about it. And so with those two characters in the Easter story, we look at those two guys and they missed it. And our hope to you as as our listeners or someone who's as members of the church or the members of just the global church, as believers in general, don't miss it. Don't don't for the pursuit of anything that, that holds that seat of lordship rather than Jesus, don't miss it. Because if you do, it it impacts your eternity. We and to for again from what we know, Herod and Pilate, their eternity was not secured in Jesus from again everything that we know might have they they might have but but they both we but we both see in spots where they rejected Jesus and and you can sit on a church pew chair whatever oh, your yeah. facility is and you could have you can end your life as being one that might have yeah and that's not what you want for you. That's not what you want for you as a believer, as a brother and sister in Christ. Uh, and, and I'm sure that's not what Jesus wanted for Pilate or Herod, but that's the decision that they made. Right. And um, But we are thankful for it as we'll look at the next few weeks, the the death and the resurrection, as we'll look at those things and, and look at how that kind of changes, the narrative changes here. But it's still, this is still walking towards that path of, of darkness is, is pushing us to the cross. And so we'll maybe check in with some more details of that over the next few weeks. Um, but and if you find a place where the Holy Spirit is convicting you and dealing with your heart and you find yourself in, in conflict, um, find someone who has walked before you. Find someone whom you know, that old saint in your life that you know mm-hmm. ha- has influenced and affected you. We, w- we would encourage you to any one of us are available at any time if you would like to talk about that. But also there are going to be those in your life who you know that have experienced the goodness of God and experience what it means to fall in love with him, to to be in obedience to him. And, and we would um, we would just plead with you as you listen, to listen to that and not to allow the distractions of this earth pull you away from, from him. Absolutely. 
Well, that'll do it all. That, that'll do us in for this week on uh, this episode of Not Another Church podcast here at North Glencoe. Uh, we thank you so much for listening. We'll check back in with you next week. Go serve your king. This has been Not Another Church podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. Thanks for listening and go serve your king.